schedule during training. The rest of the night. 8 o'clock, we'll do the out of left field question. We get you all engaged. Uh, we'll revert to the text line here in a minute. Feel free. Text in all you want. 913-586-7610. And anyone six. Sean Payton went 9-8 and eight with Jameis. Ian Book, Trevor Simeon, and Taysom Hill. That is what it is. 816 went 5-0 and oh when Breeze went down, and he put Bridgewater in. Okay. That's fine. Let's see what he does with a, uh, I don't know. Aging Russell Wilson. And it says, even more thankful for Andy Reid after hearing these dumbasses. It's Dumas. I just remember that whole thing. Um, and then for the 816, hey, Dustman, the Broncos haven't had a big time coach like Sean Payton in a while. That's fine. But again, I'm, like I said, I like both sides of it. But maybe you worry about your own division before you go outside the division and attack somebody that's no longer in house. That means their name's still lingering. Like breaking up with an ex and being like, oh, yeah, our relationship's going the complete opposite way as the last one this guy was in. That means you're still thinking about her. Maybe get over it. Um, But, yeah, if you missed it, we'll play a little bit later. Robert Sala and Sean Payton taking shots like a promo that's been cut in the uh, WWE world. Before we get into the next segment, uh, just a reminder today, Jalen Ramsey off the field with what was a knee injury will have a, uh, I guess, uh, We'll have a uh, evaluation and a surgery tomorrow morning or as soon as possible, and then they'll know more. But Tom Pelissero uh, of NFL um, Network reports that he'll miss six to eight weeks. And then the news today that really broke wild was Joe Burrow, who has officially been uh, tagged with a calf strain. And according to Jamar Chase, Joey B gave me the thumbs up. I know he's going to be okay, as we will dive back into what training camp hell is um, every single year. But where I kind of want to go at the start of this hour is – you got to have a four horsemen, right? You got to have the four horsemen in the AFC. We know who three of them are. We know it's Kansas City. We know it's Cincinnati. We know it's Buffalo. I do truly believe that Joe Burrow is going to be fine. I just think that his preseason is done. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are like, hey, man, massage that calf, get your rehab, do your thing. It's done. And I do believe they'll be one of the teams at the top. I think that week 17 game against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs, New Year's Eve will be somewhat competitive, and I think both teams will have every starter playing. At least that's what I'm hoping. I'm trying to speak it into, into fruition. But who's the next team? Who's, who's the fourth team? I think Buffalo's still there, hanging around. I think Cincinnati, obviously we just talked about, and Kansas City I think is the number one team in the AFC, at least to this point so far. Is it Miami? Miami obviously hurt by the news of Jalen Ramsey, who they signed in the offseason, but still have Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. We'll see what Tua Tagovailoa has. They did lose Mike Gusecki, which is interesting because I feel like even though you didn't see his name a lot in the fantasy football scoreboards or at the end of the day at the at the, the bottom line and whatever you looked up for stats, he wasn't always there. But Miami, are they the fourth horseman? They have an explosive offense. They can be competitive. Can they keep Tua healthy? I don't know if they can keep it that long. I'd like to see the competitiveness in Miami. I think they can be a, a, a very solid team in that AFC East. But again, that AFC East is loaded, and we'll see what Bill Belichick can maneuver this year when he's on the hot seat. The next team down the tier, and again, there's no ranking of who these teams are, 
but the Los Angeles Chargers. The distraction of Herbert being paid is gone. There's a new offensive quarter in there now, right? They have what they think that they're going to be able to do uh, offensive-wise. Kellen Moore comes in, new voice, new face, new plays, all the above with the uh, with the cliches. And you still have Keenan Allen, still have Mike Williams, still have Austin Eckler, even though he's unhappy, but you still still have those three guys. They're a competitive team, drove the ball all the way down the final drive, and then were picked off for a pick six like year against the Chiefs, lose the game the second time around with the same play the Chiefs beat him with and overtime in the previous year. That's just your Andy Reid flex. But can the Chargers stay healthy, and can they compete enough to be that fourth team? The other teams, the New York Jets and the Baltimore Ravens. Now, there's a lot of people that think since the Lamar Jackson distraction is over, since... Odell Beckham Jr. was signed. Rashad Bateman is back and healthy. You still have J.K. Dobbins back there. Still have Gus Edwards back there. You got some names on that team, and that defense is still, well, I think you still have to respect a Baltimore Ravens defense because of who they are and what division they play. And the AFC North is always going to be known as, like, the gridiron gang, right? They're always the tough guys, the big dudes. Cincinnati's got big guys. Uh, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland. We'll leave Cleveland out of it, but those teams always seem to kind of wreck themselves and try to survive in advance. We'll see what Pittsburgh can be, but again, they're not in the discussion of the fourth horseman. But I think Baltimore can be decent. I think Baltimore with Lamar Jackson back on track with John Harbaugh, that connection is clearly a very ripe and good connection they have at head coach and quarterback, which is the main ingredient that you need to be successful with all these teams. You look at the ones we've mentioned, Miami. We'll see what, you know. Old boy can do a head coach there if he's still hitting vapes on the sideline, and we'll see if Tua can stay healthy. That's why I think there, there is a tier of these teams. Miami's kind of at the bottom of this tier. The Chargers, can they compete with the Chiefs in that AFC West division as well as Denver and the Raiders? The last team, which a lot of people kind of think is that team, is the New York Jets. That's a week five matchup that I'm super excited about because we've never seen Mahomes versus Rodgers. We've yet to see it. Last year was Mahomes versus Jordan Love, and we know the story. His mom had to sit up in nosebleed, had terrible seats. We didn't get to see Aaron Rodgers. The year prior to that, Mahomes was still hurt with the injury on the knee, had to play against, uh, what was that? Was that Chad Henney against Aaron Rodgers? I think it was. And Aaron Rodgers and the Chiefs, no Mahomes. There's no pizzazz. But again, the one thing about these divisional teams is – we know, the Chiefs will, we know the Chiefs will be at the top of the AFC West. At least we would like to think so. The AFC East, a little too early to count. I think the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Bills, but I think the Bills probably rest at the top at the end of the season. I just think talent-wise, they're still better than everybody in their division, even though the Jets are going to give them a scare. When it comes to Baltimore, I think Cincinnati's still the best team. The thing is, is all these teams we list, more likely than not, are going to be a wild-card team playing weekend one. Right? Now, Cincinnati Buffalo, you hope are playing weekend one because you hope the Kansas City Chiefs wrap up the first seed. But out of those teams, Miami, the Chargers, the Jets, and Baltimore, it makes you wonder who's the fourth one. And the text line will say from the 816, Jacksonville. I don't know if I can crown Jacksonville there yet. I do have a futures on Trevor Lawrence winning MVP. I think Jacksonville will be good. I think their offense is loaded. But I think when it comes down to it, I need to see more to consider them into the fourth horseman reign. Like, are they going to be a team in the final four of the AFC picture? Like, when it's divisional round weekend, do you have Jacksonville above the Jets, above Miami, above Baltimore, above the Chargers? I love it. I think it could happen. We saw the Chargers they did last year. They folded in the playoffs to Jacksonville. 
but the Jags don't play in a division where they're going to get that preseason or that regular season beat up, right? Matt Moore was the year against Rodgers. Thank you, text line 816. Nice job, Matt Moore. Yep, that's right, because he was a high school coach, or yeah, he was a high school coach before he got the call, and then they went into Denver and beat him because I was at that game, and some guy was cheering behind me when Mahomes got hurt. And I remember before we left, I clapped in his face three times very belligerently. And I said, you just got beat by a high school coach. And all of his friends were like, dude, you deserve that. You cheer for a guy that got hurt. But again, I like Jacksonville, but I want to see more of it, right? They won on, they went on a six-game win streak. They won six of seven the game before that they lost. That was against the Chiefs. Trevor Lawrence came back from a 27-0 deficit for throwing, what, four picks in the first half and kind of arrived. But again... Baltimore, I would take the edge over. Jets, I think as of right now, taking the edge over. And some people think, I don't know if it's going to be Buffalo this year. But again, who's the fourth horseman? I believe it is Kansas City. I believe it is Cincinnati, Buffalo. And then the fourth spot, question mark. I'd love for it to be Jacksonville. I really would. I think their offense is set up for success. Zay Jones, Cal Ridley. They've got Travis Etienne coming back this year off of an injury. Trevor Lawrence has another year of experience with Doug Peterson. They can be okay. They can be all right. But can they stand up with the big boys? Let's not forget it came down to the last game of the season to win that division. Well, we'll see. But, yeah, Matt Moore, nice pull. Nice pull. Matt Moore, high school coach going in there in Denver. Well, I guess the defense kind of won that game because Flacco was sacked like eight times because he was a statue at that point. But, the only thing Denver has is going good for them. Great stadium. Fantastic stadium. Mountain range in the background. The chants are annoying, but great stadium. But anyways, fourth horseman. Is it Chargers? Is it Jags? Is it, I guess we can throw the Jags in this conversation. Is it the Jets? Is it Baltimore? Who is it? Miami? I think that there are some people that would lean over Jacksonville more than Miami. But on the other side, the New Heights podcast came out with some incredible audio. I can speak from experience because something happened to me during an Andy Reid practice. No, nothing troublesome. But they mentioned why I think Andy Reid's teams consistently win 12 games a year. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. John Barber called me out yesterday because I got Teddy Bridgewater confused with Tyrod Taylor. Said I was racist. I own that. I'm not. But I get it. And then my buddy Todd reminds me that I'm also racist towards white guys because I got Chad Henney mixed up with Matt Moore. It is what it is. Sometimes you just, uh, I don't know, man. I don't have any excuses. But I'm not. I'm not racist. I promise. Just so many names in the NFL. It's like reading Game of Thrones. Like, didn't I just read about this character? No, 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 no. You were just in Flea Bottom. Now you're in the, you know, you're in the, you're in the other part of the of the country. It is what it is. But yeah, Matt Moore, I do remember that guy very specifically. Played for the Carolina Panthers, so take that, Todd. I'm just kidding. Thanks for thanks for pointing that out, though. But the text line will save you every once in a while. You guys are all family. 816, Doug Peterson being in KC in the past is allowing your bias towards the Jags. That's not true. That's not true. I uh, I just saw what Trevor Lawrence was like under uh, Urban Meyer, 
And then I saw what Trevor Lawrence was like once Doug Peterson and he got on the same page. Just saying. I've just seen the development begin, and that's why plus 1,400, Trevor Lawrence, MVP. Come on, it's not going to go to Mahomes. Mahomes wins MVP this way. Uh, goes 15-2, and two, throws for 5,300 yards and 50 touchdowns. That's how it happens. Um, so, yeah. I just have a feeling that the, both the Bengals and the Bills are going to struggle a little bit this year. They had just have much more competition in their divisions, and it's hard to be as dominant as Kansas City has been for five straight years. Agree. He won six. I think you have a right to like Jacksonville. They're on a they're on a weak division with a great coach and quarterback. Exactly, rookie quarterback in Indianapolis, Houston Texans. I mean, really, who's your Tennessee? I guess if you believe in Ryan Tannehill and DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry, I think Derrick Henry is going to get to that point where it's like, and this is why you don't pay running backs long term type of year, right? I think it starts to edge off a little bit. But one thing. Um, that I thought was interesting listening to the New Heights podcast, and it kind of put in my mind the perspective of what training camp is for the Chiefs, and we'll get back to the topic of why training camp is hell and why it's so scary. Carrington Harrison makes a great tweet. He says, training camp is not about uh, you know the practices and everything like that. It's just how can you get your team to the finish line without any injuries? Totally agree. But this was Travis Kelsey and brother Jason Kelsey on their podcast, New Heights, talking about, um, well, conditioning with Andy Reid. You've been in a few different training camps. What do you think the biggest difference from a Andy Reid training camp to the others? Andy has, in my opinion, the worst drill that I've done in training camp. Long drive? Oh my gosh, dude. I don't ever want to do long drive drill ever again. Long drive drill, it's a scripted set of plays or an unscripted set of plays that the coaches will have for you. The ones will go up against the ones for about anywhere from 14 to like 18 plays. No matter how many yards you gain on a play, you could score a touchdown as a wide receiver. It's like an 80-yard touchdown and you're going to have to come back and run another play with like 70 yards left. You keep going every five yards down the field. Yeah. My first training camp, we did one. It was like a 15-play drive in Lehigh. It's humid as hell. Oh, yeah. In the morning because all the dew's on the ground. It's hot. You find out a lot about yourself in the long drive trail. <laughs> we called a screen on the, like, 12th play. Oh, perfect. Yeah, get out there, bud. <laughs> get out there. out there. With the block, and I'm lying on the ground, <laughs> and Andy had to call a timeout. He said, timeout. Hey, you all right, young fella? <laughs> I don't know that he's ever done that before, but he had to officially call a timeout in the long drive drill. So there's a reason why things shake out the way they do. And again, Andy Reid, his practices, I know that there's a lot of people out there that probably played youth football, high school football, maybe you played middle school football. And I remember one of the drills I hated uh, to a T was was gassers, which was where now you had 100 yard and you had 50 yard. And it was you had a certain amount of time to get to a certain point and back. And if the whole team didn't do it, everybody ran again. We had this real big kid at the time. His name was Keith. I remember this. Went to Hall McCarter Middle School. True story. His name was Keith. Real big dude. Lost a lot of weight. Doing well in life, I think. I haven't talked to him in 20 years. But he was he was big, slow. And our coach was trying to make a point. And at the time, you don't get the point. You just think that your coach hates you. You think that your, your coach is just trying to be an ass. And you don't like that coach. And this coach, I, I hope he's still alive. His name was Jim Johnson. 
Respect. And I remember we would have a practice, and if it was good, we ended with a 50-yard gasser. If it was bad, we ran the 100-yard gasser, which you can guess, yes, 5 back, 10 back, 25, you know the whole deal, right? And this Keith guy would never finish, never finish. And it didn't matter if you had a bulldozer behind him. He wasn't getting across the line in time. But again, it wasn't about him finishing, right? Because the first couple of times he wouldn't finish and everybody's like, damn it, Keith, I don't want to do this anymore. It's 89,000 degrees outside and you're the only one causing us. That's what he didn't want. And one day we realized, what if a bunch of us go out there and morally support him and clap him up and hoorah him up and, and push him there? And our coach saw that and realized, okay, now the team gets it. They're here for each other, not individually. And that's kind of how Andy Reid is. And you hear that audio of Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey saying, oh, I hated the 80-yard drive deal. And Kelsey telling you, like, you could hit a curl and go to the house. Didn't matter. If you ran all the way back down, you were coming back and you were going five yards at a time. There is no coincidence in my mind that since 2015, so Andy Reid got here in 2013, so we'll start at 2013. Andy Reid's win totals since 2013 are 11, 9, 11, 12, 10, 12, 12, 14, 12, 14. I don't need to do that again, do I? You realize that that's pretty damn good? Andy Reid wins. Andy Reid knows how to win, and he knows the recipe, and the recipe starts in times like these. And again, Listen to the audio once again from these two who talk about the hatred, but you can tell that this is what builds a team. You've been in a few different training camps. What do you think the biggest difference from uh, Andy Reid training camp to the others? Andy has, in my opinion, the worst drill that I've done in training camp. Long drive? Oh my gosh, dude. I don't ever want to do long drive drill ever again. Long drive drill, it's a scripted set of plays or an unscripted set of plays that the coaches will have for you. The ones will go up against the ones for about anywhere from 14 to like 18 plays. No matter how many yards you gain on a play, you could score a touchdown as a wide receiver. It's like an 80-yard touchdown, and you're going to have to come back and run another play with like 70 yards left. You keep going every five yards down the field. Yeah. My first training camp, we did one. It was like a 15-play drive in Lehigh. It's humid as hell. Oh, yeah. In the morning because all the dew's on the ground. It's hot. You find out a lot about yourself in the long drive drill. <laughs> we called a screen on the, like, 12th play. Oh, perfect. Yeah, get out there, bud. <laughs> I get ran out, there. out there with the block, and I'm lying on the ground. <laughs> and Andy had to call a timeout. He said, timeout. Hey, you all right, young fella? <laughs> I don't know that he's ever done that before, but he had to officially call a timeout in the long drive drill. You can tell practices are tough. And I can tell you from a personal experience being at Andy Reid practice, my first one ever. I'll never forget this. So this was at a mini camp and I was sitting on like the back end zone and there were your normal beat reporters. Like at the time, Therese Paler was there. All these people were here. And there's a little bit of shade from the trees that hung over the practice field. And I just leaned my right shoulder against the gate. And one of the Chiefs, like, staff members came up and was like, hey, um, I'm going to need you to stand. And I was just kind of put back. And I was like, stand? I was like, okay. Like, yeah, no leaning. Andy Reid has a rule that his players don't get to lean. Nobody gets to lean. Real talk. That's a true story. And you can tell that that sort of, and I don't want to call it Remember the Titans because that movie's not true. 
look it up. There's a bunch of false like stuff that is around that story, like speeches that were never given, uh, incidents that were not happening. Anyway, we can go off on that tangent some other time. But again, this is where it starts. This is why Andy Reid consistently wins double-digit games. This is why everybody's involved, because it all starts in camp. It all starts at the beginning. And again, Andy Reid's enjoying the Chiefs. 11, 9, 11, 12, 10, 12, 12, 14, 12, 14 win totals. Two Super Bowls, five consecutive AFC Championship games. Now, again, it helps when you have guys like Mahomes. But this is why when you watch the Andy Reid thing, which is the season unfold, this is why the man wins. He's an old-school red ass. He's an old-school soul. It's like all those fairy tale football camp stories that you hear, they all exist in an Andy Reid football camp. There's a reason why the Chiefs win 12-plus games a year. I get it. Mahomes helps. But even Mahomes being himself isn't enough. It starts in July. It starts when those guys continue to build their stamina, build the strength to do these type of things. The 13-second drive against Buffalo doesn't happen if the 80-yard uh, practice play doesn't isn't into existence. The mentality to be still in the game and still yourself when the going gets tough and you have nothing in yourself but guts, blood, and glory, that's why the Chiefs are able to do this year in and year out because it starts in St. Joe as a family. They're not the ones getting in fights in the preseason. They're not the Orlando Browns of the world fighting their own teammates, putting scratches on the necks. That's not who they are. And speaking of Mahomes, it seems like we do this every year, but some of the milestones get a little bit more respectful than the others. There's some coming up this season when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs and their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. This is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Back in on After Hours, Dusty Likens with you. I cannot believe that man just did that with his golf club. Man just swung at a ball behind a tree and snapped his, completely snapped his iron in half. Uh, feel good story here uh, from the text line, 913-586-716. We'll get into more of uh, your text at 8 o'clock. We do the out of left field question at 8. It's a fun one. Uh, I got a few that, that are kind of sports related, but also a few that are just life related. But Dusty, I know I'm off topic. That's from the 816. Dusty, I know I'm off topic, but I had to share. My uncle, 68, had the round of his life yesterday. He aced hole four, first time he's ever done that, and eagled hole 11 at Tiffany Green's. Came in at minus four. First time he's ever come under par in his entire life. He texted me a pic of his scorecard and said, quote, I quit this effing game, end quote. I mean, there are a few things that end the exact same way that they're supposed to. That is the way a golf career would end if I was 68. That's one that I would frame. I would put the ball of the hole-in-one in the frame. I'm done. That's kind of like a... Um, it's kind of like the way Breaking Bad went out. Not saying that he's into meth. I'm just saying like they ended at the very best part of the actual season. Like you wanted more, but you know that it was perfect to go that way because that's the way people will remember it. Unlike maybe The Sopranos or Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones, huge hype, final two episodes. <laughs> Breaking Bad, fantastic. I'm on my fourth round of watching that from start to finish. I'm on season four, episode eight, I believe. Uh, once the grips get put on the sticks tonight, we'll probably go and bang out a couple episodes of Breaking Bad. But speaking of bad, Patrick Mahomes. 
five years in the league. This is his sixth year as a starter, going for a sixth consecutive AFC championship game, going for a fourth Super Bowl appearance. And according to Jeff Kerr on Twitter of CBS or at Jeff Kerr CBS, Patrick Mahomes needs 12 wins this season. We just gave you a list of what Andy Reid does in the regular season, but Patrick Mahomes, 12 wins this season to set the NFL record for the most quarterback wins through seven seasons. I remind you, this might be his seventh season, but it's his sixth as a starter. That's why I always think it's funny when they compare him and Justin Herbert through their first whatever game or their first whatever seasons, and everyone always tends to forget that Justin Herbert started as a rookie. Patrick Mahomes didn't. And the only reason Justin Herbert got in is because we mentioned yesterday, the trainer put a shot in Teddy Bridgewater's, or was it Tyrod Taylor, into his ribcage, into the lung, punctured the lung with a needle, and ah, voila, there is Justin Herbert and all the Chargers fans are going, so why wasn't this guy starting from day one? But again, Patrick Mahomes, 12 wins away to set the single-season NFL record for most wins by a quarterback through seven seasons. Impressive. Russell Wilson, the bad guy, has the record at 75. Mahomes currently, if you do the math, is sitting at 64. Which to me doesn't make sense because that looks like it's actually 13. But I'm kidding. 12 would set the record, but 11 would tie it. Mahomes also only needs 29 passing touchdowns to set the NFL record for the most passing touchdowns through seven seasons. We can all agree that Mahomes will probably do that by week 12. I assume by week 12, he's closer somewhere around 29 to 30 touchdowns, giving him 10 for the final four or five games and giving him another 40 touchdown season. But again, this is why. This is why when you look at Patrick Mahomes in 10 years from now, all the quarterback numbers are going to have a Mahomes name by it, right? We saw this towards like the end of the breeze Manning Brady era where Breeze was trying to pass Peyton for most yards all time. Dan Marino's name would slowly move down the list. Brett Favre's name moved aggressively down the list. It's not a shot, I promise. And you'll soon but surely, right, this is Mahomes' quote seventh season, but it's a sixth season as a starter. And you're going to start to see all these numbers that quarterbacks spent their lives chasing And in 10 years, every passing record, at least we would think, or every sort of major quarterback record will have a Mahomes name by it. There's also a tie-in that Patrick Mahomes has a chance to have three sort of Hall of Fame careers like Tom Brady had. Because you could already say that Mahomes' first five years in the league, Hall of Fame career. Two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, two NFL Super Bowl titles, five consecutive AFC championship games, winning-wise, his margin of win-loss, all the above. You could say that Patrick Mahomes already had one Hall of Fame career. He'll be 27-28 this year, so from 27 or 28 to, what do you want to call it, 32, there's a chance we could have another era of a Hall of Fame-style career of Patrick Mahomes. And then from 32 to 40, there might be and potentially be another one. I still have a theory and a, and a very long futures bet that when quarterback on Netflix is on its 10th season, it's just going to be a Mahomes quarterback. The last ride. I know that was the, the Bulls theme, but I feel like at the time it'll be like, oh, this is a year where Mahomes is loaded with talent. He's, you know, one last run of the playoffs. Let's just follow Patrick Mahomes because of how great his numbers will end up being because you can't make this up. 
This isn't me being a local biased radio host. I'm just giving you numbers. He's 12 wins away from setting the record for most wins in their first seven seasons. I don't think Burrow's going to get there. I don't think Herbert's going to get there. I don't think Hertz is going to get there. So Mahomes might have this record for quite some time if he can surpass Russell Wilson with 12 wins this year, which I believe he will. The other thing is 29 touchdowns easily will be collected, barring any NFL injury that can happen. But you would think that he could easily get 29 touchdowns, right? He's thrown 50 and 40 and 40 and 39 and whatever. Mahomes will clearly get to 29 touchdowns. And the best thing about this, it's not only do you get to watch this week in and week out, but the entire nation is now going to watch Patrick Mahomes just as much as you are. And if you don't believe that comment, go look at every single primetime game that the Chiefs play. Or go look at the Chiefs' schedule is what I mean. All primetime. If it's not 325, it's 715. If it's not 715, it's 730. One noon game. Week two, the rest, primetime. Christmas, New Year's Eve, playing in Germany, opening game of the season. Now they get that because they won the Super Bowl, and that's the banner reveal game. But again, everyone that watches the NFL is going to watch Mahomes this year, more so than they ever thought they would, because people will tell you, oh, I'm sick of the Chiefs. I'm sick of watching the Chiefs. No, you're not, because a lot of you have fantasy players involved in the games that they play in, Chiefs players, Kelsey, Mahomes, Pacheco, Sky. Guys like that. Somebody will take a whim on Kadarius Tony. Somebody in your Chiefs bias draft league will do that. But again, not only do you get to watch him like you have been the last five years, everybody that watches the NFL will be forced to watch Patrick Mahomes. It's just because of the primetime games. They're going to be the primetime game on CBS, even if they play at 325. They're going to be the Sunday night football, the Monday night football, the Thursday night football. That's just who they're going to be. And that's what happens when you're the face of the league at the age of 27. It's insane. I don't know if anybody's been the face of the league at that young of an age. I really don't. Maybe Aaron Rodgers at one point, but I don't think he was ever the face because he was in that time period where Peyton and Brady were going back and forth with it. Drew Brees was never the face. Dan Marino, maybe for like six months, but he was still kind of in that era with Montana. But again, Patrick Mahomes at 27 years old, face of the league, and everybody's going to see them, and they're going to begin to hate you why they ain't you. That's exactly why they'll hate you. Coming up on the other side, CBS. Well, if you thought there was anything laughable tonight, when you see these win totals from around the league and what they have the Chiefs at, you're going to really laugh. This is After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Sports night, so all you have to do is listen to 610 Sports Radio. We'll keep you entertained. Got another hour and 15 minutes with you, and in 14 minutes, we'll have uh, the out of left field question, which is always fun. Brings all the engagement in. I did make a mistake. Um, text line comes in Sorry, we have a week 15 noon game against the Donkeys. I could have sworn, now maybe I'm wrong, but I could have sworn that they had one other noon game on the schedule, and that was like Christmas Day. But again, that's against the Raiders. So I don't know if that is. I know they play like the Broncos, somebody than the Broncos. So I apologize, anyone six that that's not the right game. Um, someone said my grandpa got a hole in one in his 80s on a par three. 
I've always joked and said that if I got a hole in one, I would quit golf, but I would not. I would just keep playing. I'm like in prime golf life, like age like 35 to like 42, I feel like is your prime in golf. Unless you're Tiger Woods, your prime is from 96 to, well, I guess 95 when he was winning all those amateur tournaments, but from 95 to like 2009. Was Tiger Woods is around like 14 years of dominance? But uh, enough golf. I could do golf for three consecutive hours if I really wanted to, but I won't. I won't bore you enough. Um, But I thought this was interesting because Warren Sharp tweets out um, NFL projections according to USA Today Sports. Now, to me, the interesting part about this is that we'll start with where they have the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is my job to get your guys' feathers all ruffled up. And we'll start with the AFC West. And I'm sure other people have done this before or given you these rundowns before, but here's where they have them. AFC West, Chiefs at the top at 10 and 7. Broncos, 10 and 7. Chargers, 7 and 10. Raiders, 3 and 14. Very disrespectful to the Raiders. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo and Josh McDaniel are going to lose 14 games. I also don't believe the Broncos are going to win 10. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to win 10. I think the Chiefs are going to win somewhere around 13 to 14 games. I know their schedule is brutal. Um, they do get a tough NFC, uh, NFC East opponent in a Super Bowl rematch, but it's after their bye week. We know Andy Reid's records after the bye, quite substantially great. They have the Bengals at 12 and 5, the Jags at 10 and 7, and the Bills at 13 and 4. They have the AFC East absolutely loaded. They have the AFC East, the Bills going 13 and 4, the Jets 12 and 5, the Dolphins 11 and 6. And they think that the two wildcard teams come out of the AFC East. I don't disagree per se, but they have the Ravens winning the going to the wild card, the Bengals being the division winner, Chiefs being division winner, Jags division winner, Bills division winner. And then your other three, Ravens, Jets, Dolphins. The NFC, quite loaded. Niners, Lions, Saints, and Eagles winning their divisions. Cowboys, Falcons, and Seahawks making the playoffs. Now, again, early predictions, injuries aside, we don't know what's going to play out in the season, but 10-7, and what a joke. They really think the Broncos can win 10 games. Maybe, but the Broncos aren't going to have the same record as the Chiefs. I would bet my 401K that the Kansas City Chiefs will have more than 10 wins, and you're not supposed to touch your 401K. I mean, I'm a Roth RIA guy. I don't want any, I want my taxes taken out immediately, set myself up for success. So when it's all said and done and this high paying job, which is a joke, um, pays off in the end, but the Bengals 12 and five, the Ravens 11 and six, the Steelers 11 and six and the Browns 10 and seven. I don't know if the person who projected all these wins from USA today were as high as Wiz Khalifa when he threw out the first pitch for the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates the other day. I didn't make that up. Wiz Khalifa literally said throwing out a pitch on mushrooms is a different experience. Doing projections like this, again, it's July. It's one of those things that this came out on the 24th of July, 2.2 million views. This is something that gets people talking. And this is something that will get, you know, whatever it may be, this will get what people have. Get them caught, get them, you know, conjugating to, well, they have the Chiefs at 10 and 7. Well, that's a joke because the Chiefs over under in Vegas, I believe right now, is 11 and a half. I'm not sure 100% 
if the Ravens can win 11 games. I think that division beats up on each other. I think the Steelers get a little bit better. I don't think the Raiders are, I don't think the Steelers are 11 and six because according to this, they have one, two, three, four, five, six teams in the AFC having better records than the Chiefs. And in a division where they had the Bills at 13 wins, Jets at 12, Dolphins at 11. You mean to tell me they're not losing to, they're not, they're not beating up on each other? I mean, that, that division is going to be electric. Hell, they got the Giants going 6 and 11, the Vikings going 7 and 10. The most accurate thing they might have on this entire list, maybe, is the Colts going 4 and 13. I know the AFC South is a terrible division. Anthony Richardson being a rookie quarterback, we'll see. CJ Stroud being a rookie quarterback, obviously we'll see. But the Titans, they're not winning nine games. I'll put my I'll put myself on that record. They're not winning nine games. The end is near for Derrick Henry. Jaguars are going to win that division by at least three games. They haven't won it by one over the Titans, 10 and 7, 9 and 8. The AFC East is pretty accurate. I think Buffalo can win 13. I think the Jets can easily win 12. And I think the Dolphins can easily win 11. But I don't think it's an outlandish or bias or rose-colored glasses type of statement to say that the Chiefs and the Broncos win 10 games each. Chiefs are not winning 10 games. The Chiefs are going to win 12 games. Mahomes only wins 12 games or more. That division is not as tough as they think it might be. Sean Payton will play a little bit later. Had his shots fired at Robert Sala and the Jets and Nathaniel Hackett. Love it. But again, to say that the Browns and the Chiefs are going to have the most are the same wins, like that's where I think this whole thing is is garbage. And the and the Warren Sharp quote that he has is, I believe, the most inaccurate projection is blank. The most accurate projection is blank. The most accurate might be that they have the Cardinals going two and fifteen. The most inaccurate projection is that they have the Chiefs going ten and seven. If the Chiefs go ten and seven, that means Mahomes missed four games. And they go two and two in those four games. That is a fact. 913-586-7610-316 says clickbait, all caps. And then somebody responds with, which I believe is the same text. Wait. Is the AFC West as good as they were supposed to be last year? LOL. Remember that conversation? Oh, I don't know how the Chiefs survived this. They lost their best weapon on offense. They didn't. Couldn't possibly see them winning more than 10 games. They did. And if they get to the playoffs, it's going to be hard for them to run through the playoffs. Well, it wasn't. Jacksonville got beat. Cincinnati got beat. Philadelphia got beat. Sorry, but I don't know if that's the same recipe. Could play one of those two teams again in the playoffs, but again, clickbait or not, 2023 NFL record projections, your top AFC teams, Chiefs 10 and 7, Bengals 12 and 5, Jags 10 and 7, Bills 13 and 4. Your playoff teams outside of those four, Ravens, Jets, Dolphins. And in the NFC, Niners, Lions, Saints, Eagles, your playoff teams being the Cowboys, Falcons, and Seahawks. Like they have the Falcons who are starting Desmond Ritter having one less win than the Kansas City Chiefs. They have Dak Prescott, that guy, going 9-8 and eight with the Cowboys, one less win than the Chiefs. They have Tua winning more games than Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kenny Pickett winning more games than Patrick Mahomes. Clickbait it might be. Stupidity it most positively is. Let's have a little bit more respect on projection. Just make the Chiefs 17-0. and 0. And then people be like, well, they're not going to go 17-0, but they're going to go 15-2. and 2. They're going to go 14-3. and 3. 10 and 7. That's KMA territory. 
Those of you who don't know what that acronym is, it's Kiss My Ass. This is After Hours on 16 Sports Radio. I am Dusty Likens. When we come back, we get to the most fun that we have on this show. It's 8 o'clock. We do the out-of-left-field question. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. When the Royals take on the Twins on Friday, July 28th, everyone's a parrot head because it's Margaritaville night at the K. That means Hawaiian shirts, tan lines, 